welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and passionate about helping more women to understand and accept their amazing ADHD brains. After speaking to many women just like me, and probably you, I know there is a need for more health and lifestyle support for women newly diagnosed with ADHD. In these conversations, you'll learn from insightful guests, hear new findings and discover powerful perspectives and lifestyle tools to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and purposeful life wherever you are on your ADHD journey. Here's today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I am Kate Moore Youssef, I'm your host as always, and today we're talking flowers, frolicking in fields, and lots of other fantastic things, all connected to do with ADHD, entrepreneurism, and all exciting things that I've been so looking forward to talking to with Andy McDowell. Not the Andy McDowell, but another beautiful Andy McDowell. Um, but you are a um, self-diagnosed ADHD entrepreneur. TV producer turned wedding videographer and now a flower farmer. I mean, we don't need the self-diagnosis or the real diagnosis to be able to, <laughs> if you told me that without the ADHD, the, I would have said, yes, definitely ADHD, yeah. because we hear this all the time, multi-talented, multi-passionate, multi-tasking entrepreneurs, and I love it. So welcome to the podcast, Andy. It's so good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I think I'm so excited that I sort of need to like dial it down a little bit. Otherwise, I'd be like a, like a Labrador puppy, just like looking at 100 miles an hour. So I have to kind of like match match Kate's energy, check the tone of the room, kind of like situation. <laughs> okay, I'm now not a live video or a thing on Instagram where I'm jumping around. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to a whole 45 minutes of just chatting and shooting the breeze with you Kate because I love listening to you in my ear on your podcast I love your oh, well I love you on on Instagram I love seeing your pictures now if you don't know who Andy is she's got a fantastic business but also Instagram account called Dahlia Beach and it's all about the most stunning most beautiful dahlias that you grow on your farm and it brings it's just so evocative I think of probably who you are like colour creativity, imagination, um, fun. And I know there's obviously lots of other sort of facets to you, but you really bring that across in what you do on Instagram, but also just the fact that you've built this business from being a TV producer. And I would love to hear a little bit about your journey with your career, but also where the awareness of ADHD started falling in. Um, because as, as we all know, we've all got our own sort of story of, of where the pieces start coming together. So maybe you can give us a little bit of a background information about that. Oh, well, firstly, thank you so much. Such a lovely introduction. Not going too much detail, but my parents moved from England to Portugal when I was seven years old to start a new, whole new exciting life. Um, my dad was a self-employed carpenter and my mum was a stay-at-home mum and they decided to go and set up a bar in Portugal in the 80s, you know, where it was all like, wow, no going back kind of thing. Like sold the house, sold everything. We're like, we're moving. And it was before low-cost airlines. It was before the internet. We had like dictaphone tapes that we could put in the post to send to my nan and granddad. And it was really, this really huge, exciting adventure in a foreign country, going to an international school. And I was really hands-on in the business, like from the age of eight, you know, like washing dishes, 
standing on upturned buckets, pulling pints of lager for the holidaymakers, playing pool, uh, you know, just, um, and we lived 200 yards from the beach. It was just, I just grew up thinking that's what work was like. And, 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 and you all just all muck in together. We lived above the restaurant. Um, and yeah, it was, there was no difference between like work, life, like I finished work, now I go home and now I watch TV. Like it was working all the time, but living all the time. I never felt like neglected or deprived. I was just like, this is it. Like mum and dad are downstairs in the pub. I'm upstairs, you know, that was it. And then um, I came back to England because I wanted to work in television. I had a really clear focus. Like I loved the idea and the excitement of TV. And um, yeah, so I got in as a runner and then worked my way up to a TV producer director. And then when I had kids, I was like, this isn't really very compatible with the sort of mum I wanted to be. Like it meant going away at short notice abroad or to other places and worked in a lot of factual entertainment programs where you know where you've sort of like people going off the rails and then putting them in chaotic situations where they go on a journey and then they come out all happy again so I did a lot of that and I did any which ones did you work on anything interesting uh, wife swap I love that (laughs) cringe oh my god that's like proper old school I remember that I was the shit starer. I, I was like, oh my God, you never guess what she's found in your house. A rat under the kitchen, under the fridge. Ooh, what would you say about that? You know, like, yeah. Like, really? That, was before, that was before everything was sort of like censored and you could do all these dreadful things on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and it got to a point when I was in my late 20s and I had Molly and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It doesn't, it's not that great. And, um, I loved I, I loved people. I've always loved people. I think that was growing up in a pub. You know, you're just like love buzzing off people, like their stories and like chatting and just being around people. And I loved that part of the television. Um, but it, it wasn't compatible with having a kid. So I was like, well, what can I do now? Like you have to reinvent yourself, don't you? So I got into triathlons and <laughs> they're like running with the buggy, you know, like, oh my God, I've got to do something. Because I have this like energy where I have to like, do something I'm not like oh I'm just gonna chill and like back into this situation I never would do that so uh, I got into doing triathlons and I realized that uh, wasn't like it didn't tick the boxes creatively for me and then I was like why don't I just get into making my own like weddings because we were filming a lot of tvs with little cameras and giving teenagers little cameras to film themselves and sort of producing them and telling them what to film but essentially much more authentic and more genuine when people film themselves so it's like why don't I apply that to weddings why don't like we give video cameras for people that are going to weddings and the video is going to be very different to a wedding videographer and much more personal authentic real meet people more relaxed you're going to get much better content and we'll edit it so anyway that was uh, it was a company called shoot it yourself and we'd been going for 10 years we were on dragon's den we got investment from hillary devay uh, r.i.p um, and yeah, it was a brilliant business. We made 300 weddings a year. Didn't even have to go to one single one. That was the other thing. Like, what? I really remember this. I'm like, you're saying it. I'm like, oh my God. Yes. I genuinely remember this episode. Yeah, it was me. I was wedding dress. Wow. I really yeah. do. But what you're, well, I mean, just interrupt you, but I'm sort of just picking apart what you're saying and you're, 
clearly forward thinking, innovative, looking for things, okay, like what, what's not being done? What are on the fringes that I can sort of bring to the mainstream? And this again is this like ADHD energy, this brain that's like ticking over and utilizing how can we bring our skills? Like what talents do I have? What am I interested in? The passion. Yeah. And this is what I love. This is when you sort of see ADHD at its best. You oh, know? this is like a explosion. You can just see gaps in the market everywhere. Yeah. Like even when growing up in Portugal, I would like get shells and tap little holes in them using a nail and thread them onto necklaces and be like, I've got an, a shell necklace shop. If anyone wants to have a side hustle in my parents' restaurant selling people shell necklaces, you know, like. It's just part of the brain. And and, and I knew, like, it, I knew because I've always loved video. My dad was one of those guys with the Betamax recorders. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah. Look a bit younger than me. Um, with one of those things on his shoulder and he had it strapped to his arm and he would, like, run around filming everything. Like, we had volumes of Betamax tapes of our whole life, like 1983 and summer 1984. Like, that whole, whole room. I get it from my dad. So... He had that and I've we've always loved video so I knew I was going to get into video in some way and then so when I got into television I was like that's not sustainable but it's loads of transferable skills like everyone loves video it's entertaining it's engaging it's a means to connect with people emotionally so I was like yeah okay and I like weddings but I didn't want to go to 300 weddings so uh yeah so that worked well and unfortunately in 2020 that business went into liquidation, which was uh, like the hardest. That's definitely the bleakest moment because I really loved it. I used to finish work at three, pick the kids up from school. My husband's broadcast cameraman and he's away a lot. So I, we had a good, really good work-life balance and um, we had six members of staff. Everyone kind of knew what they were doing. It was all flowed really well. Like it just worked well. It wasn't a big money earner. I'm not going to be a millionaire. But I wasn't, that wasn't the goal. I just needed something for my creative energy, somewhere to go where I had a sense of purpose. It brought in a wage, which wasn't a huge wage, but it was enough to feel like a contribution to the pressure of running a house. And we've got three children. So it, it, it sat well with my moral, you know, with my values for being a mum and had the amount of time I wanted to dedicate to that. So yeah, it ticked everything. And so when that happened in 2020, that was really the bleakest moment, actually. That, that was the time where I was like, I can't see the positive in this. And I'm always a really cut past full person. I was like, this is, I'm really struggling now. <laughs> like, how do I, what do I come back from this? Did this coincide with the pandemic then? Was this sort of, yeah, okay. Yeah. So you, we're in the thick of the pandemic. Oh, no, like March. And we had three, nearly 300 weddings booked for 2020 and they paid deposits. So they paid half the money up front. And um, when they locked the country down, we were getting phone calls then saying, oh, we're going to postpone it because it's in April or May and we're going to postpone it uh, and see if we can get another date. And then the longer it went on, people were like, we're going to cancel now and we'd like our money back. That was when we were like, I'm allowed to say shit hit the fan. <laughs> like it was like, like even I get anxiety just thinking about it, you know, knowing that we're hemorrhaging now, we're giving people money back and we haven't got enough to carry on if 
people, more people want the money back. And then it hit that point where we were like, we have to declare ourselves insolvent. And then the, yeah, and then the, those people, the liquidation company come in. And it's a bit like when you re, they repossess your house, they take everything. Um, and the computers and all the, the cameras. And at that time, and the business partner who I'd run it with for 10 years, who was also my best, best friend and soulmate, we fell out in an irreparable way. Um, and so that, that felt like standing on the edge of like a cliff face thinking like, like this is, you've lost everything. I lost my sense of purpose, my best friend. Well, I don't think they upset about that. Yeah, it was not great. Not a great time. But I just I got into them. Like, I loved gardening. I've always loved gardening. I love flowers. They just bring so much joy. Like they're just such bright like you said at the beginning bright colorful so you what, i mean i can see that you are wearing a beautiful pink dress and that pink dress and you know that i see all i see is like brightness on your instagram and you know listen i i really appreciate you telling this story and i can see how emotional it's made you and i think it's it is important to be able to show the flip side of you know how you have all this energy and all these ideas but sometimes means and control you know things control us and we yeah. just don't we can't do anything about it and we do hit this sort of rock bottom and i think many people that are listening right now are going to really appreciate your honesty and vulnerability because it's not that easy to pick yourself up when you've had something that upsetting and damaging and yeah. from like an a soul perspective, an emotional, a business, a financial perspective. And obviously the pandemic affected so many businesses. Yeah. And you know what, we're not hearing about these stories anymore, you know, and just, you know, three years later, it's still affecting you. What? what it was just because it felt like such a, I, mean, I know it's not, you know, it wasn't a failure on our part, but a lot of people, we couldn't give their money back. Um, and that's why we had to go into liquidation and then thinking that you'd let those people down. Um, we went down owing a lot of people a lot of money and then you know it's a difficult time when my husband then wasn't working and then they people were threatening to sue us um, and then you, you're worried about losing the house you know you're like this is these are really big things that could really like destroy a marriage rip a family apart it destroyed our friendship with my best friend at the time and um yeah, it was it was it was trauma. I think that's why it's still so raw because look about it, you're like, yeah, it was it was it it was no doubt it was trauma. And then then you're sort of trying to cope with three children homeschooling, three children in the same house all the time, you know, being in a marriage where your husband worked away quite a lot and been back and forwards a lot to then all together, all in the same house, we're like, Oh my god. I love flowers and I love being outdoors in nature and it's a healer. So I just got I I was like, right, so I'm going to start digging up the lawn and planting loads more flowers in it because I needed something to do for me, you know, that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't homeschooling or, you know, just cooking, cleaning and doing everything else that's right under your nose all the time when you were in lockdown. So I started, uh, I gave myself a, a, a target. So I just said in September of that 2020, I'm going to open my garden up to the National Garden Scheme, which is a really brilliant charity. No one's ever heard of it. Um, you should definitely check it out. Um, and the money, so people can pay to come and have a look around your garden. My husband was like, <laughs> why would people pay to come around our garden? I was like, well, that's because I haven't started yet. But, <laughs> 
it's finished gonna look like Chelsea freaking flower show so just watch me so I did and I spent that whole summer growing everything from seed and tuber and I ordered like 200 dahlia tubers which I loved and I've just never had the time to do so it did look pretty amazing <laughs> at the end of it because I'm a bit all or nothing but there's no like half they're just just not like half in it's like all ass in yeah so um yeah so it looked bloody brilliant and and it grew very quickly because dahlias do. And everybody that came were like, oh, God, it must take like years to get a garden like this. I was like, no, literally, it looked like two, like three months. People couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, it's really easy. I literally just got into it. And now I'm like growing with these massive flowers the size of your head and you can pick them and they, more, they grow more. And people were just incredulous. So I was like, oh. And by that time, I'd started sharing what I was doing on Instagram and I met such a lovely community of people that were young you know people my age when I say young 42 years young and that sort of old age and um we all just gelled and supported each other and just shared pictures of our gardens every day and it was it was so nice it it felt like connecting to a shared love of nature and flowers and and just really supported lovely group of people so yeah and then I said I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start a business where I send people kits that they just put in their garden and I'll do all the videos and make it really exciting and really accessible and relatable and fun and not like oh here I am in my west wing of my garden like uh, you know like who has a west wing of the garden like just get out on your patio and put it in a pot it's fine um and that's what I did and then so I ordered 4,000 dahlia tubers and I just borrowed five grand what's a tuber it's like the the root that grows these dahlias okay yeah, so, so I said to my mum. So it's not from it's not from seed then. No, this is okay. Like a, yeah, it's like a sweet potato looking thing. It's big, yeah. big bulb. And I said to my mum and dad, like, I've got this really great business idea. They were like, Oh God, here we go. <laughs> We're still recovering from your life. I did. I was like, No, this one, this one I think is better than the last one. This is be much better. I know it. And um so I did spend for yeah I spent like five grand on him and um, bringing it I didn't spend money on anything else I just brought all these tubers over and I started selling them as collections like curated together to make a beautiful border in a box for people that hadn't done it before and I started pre pre selling them because they don't arrive in the UK until March and I started selling them in November by the time it got to January it sold out what's like oh. That's annoying, but good. And I was like, right, this bodes well, doesn't it? I, I, I sold out before I've even sent the first one out. And that was all through sort of curating this community and sharing sharing my journey because loads of people were watching me going, wow, this is either going to crash and burn or she's going to be okay. So let's just watch and see what happens, I think. And then I thought, well, this is seasonal. And that was the problem with the wedding business. That was the reason why we were never really successful in a financial way hugely financial way um because it's so seasonal and i needed to get a way around that so you can only sell tubers the bulbs until may so i was like i know i'll set up a flower farm set up a flower farm. <laughs> it's really hard to set up a flower farm now that i know but anyway i did that and um yeah and i, I approached a local farm here that do pick your own fruit and they've got a huge site with crazy golf and a soft play and I said to them went with this presentation and said I have no experience in horticulture or uh, like qualifications and I don't come from a farming background but I am insanely passionate and 
highly motivated, and hardworking. And if you give me an acre of land here on your site, they get a million visitors a year anyway. I was like, if you give me a, a, um, an acre as you come in, I promise you they will come. I will build this thing where people could come pick flowers and we'll make flower crowns and we will like... I went. I went about and bought a pink double decker bus. No, you know, no reason. Just other than it was really cool. I was like, I'm going to put this double decker bus in the middle of this field. It's going to be surrounded by amazing flowers, and people from all over the UK are going to come and they're going to find how much fun there is in picking flowers and playing with flowers. And the guys at car, at, at Millets were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to say yes to get you out the room. They did say yes. Like. <laughs> So yeah, and I said I like I, I think this will really work, and it was obviously much harder than you think it is. But um, and also to, I, I knew that to get recognised in the industry, I would need to. They'd moved Chelsea Flower Show, which is normally in its 110 year history in May, and they moved it to September. And I knew that that was going to be my once in a lifetime opportunity to create a display at the world's best flower show. In September, it would never be. And that's when my flowers are in flower. My flowers don't flower in May. They only flower in September. So I was like, this is it, John. If I'm going to do this, I've got to get to Chelsea. I was like a bit, you know, tunnel vision. I don't know if other people will identify with that. But I was like, that's what I've got to do. And people were like, you have you don't, you have never done this before. Like it, the RHS woman was like, it takes 10, you know, years and years. I don't want to you know, disappoint you. I just trying to manage your expectations. And because I felt a bit like Eagle. What's the guy? Eddie the Eagle. Eddie the Eagle. Oh, I love, yeah. Fabulous. <laughs> the flower like, version. It takes years and years to build up to Chelsea. I was like, oh, I haven't got years and years. You're never going to run it in September again. Please, please let me exhibit. And I wouldn't go again. I wouldn't go away. And that, they said in the end, right? We've come back with a compromise. You've got no track record. You are a bit of a maverick by your own admission. Mm. You can go out this summer through yourself by winning two gold medals at two shows. We will consider letting you in. So I'm like, right? How hard can that be? Google wedding <laughs> gold. <laughs> award-winning medal gardens <laughs> and I went and won a gold at Blenheim Palace Flower Show and I got highly commended at Hampton Court and then they eventually let me in and then I, I won the General's Award at Chelsea which is like the, literally the stuff that dreams are made of. So I mean this is why I invited you onto the podcast because you know, you are a visionary, but your hyper-focus and your, I mean, you said maverick, and I said that is the word I've been looking for, is this ADHD brain that basically just goes, you know what, I can do this. And then we put aside all our fears and worries and we go into kind of hyper-focus mode. We go into that kind of like place where we just like our energy, our creativity, our vision, our imagination, everything just takes us. Yeah. And that is why we see so many incredible successful entrepreneurs with ADHD and the reason why they're so successful is because they're leading with their heart their creativity their passion their energy and so when people say I don't know what to do I don't know how to you know be successful with ADHD it's like put everything aside put all the conditioning 
all the fear, all the shoulds, and just go into that, like, what's your niche? Like, what do you love? Like, it doesn't matter how weird and wacky that is. It doesn't matter about qualifications or um, certificates or experience. It just shows that you went in with that. You, you were led with your energy. You had a vision and you were, you were really strong with your convictions that you knew that you had what it takes. And I just want it to land for everybody that's listening right now because we don't live in sort of like this cloud cuckoo land. Like you've put in a huge amount of time, hard work, energy, money. You've put things on the line, perhaps, you know, like weekends, family time, relationships. I understand that this has not just been plain sailing for you, but you have just kept going one foot in front of the other. And that is when we start seeing like the the difference, that disparity between those entrepreneurs that make it and keep going and the resilience clearly that you've got as well and I just love the fact that you were convincing people from all these like establishments right you know and you're like no no no, I can do it and it's almost like you, you knew that you needed to prove them wrong and that kind of spurred you on even more yeah I think the best thing people can do is underestimate me <laughs> I think that, that is literally like and I remember I went and did some some research because I was the, there was no there was no pick your own flower farms then um in 2021 when we first opened and I went and did you know part of me is like I know this will work so I don't really need to ask anyone else but I thought you know like as a proper business person you should go and research it and everyone I spoke to that ran garden centers or um there was a guy that quite a few dahlia growers that had big orchards with dahlias that grew and people could come and look around and I just I went and spoke to all of them and said can I just ask why you don't let people pick them because um a dahlia the more the more flowers you pick from a dahlia plant the more flowers the plant will produce and you have to deadhead dahlias if the flowers go over so why not make money off the stem before it dies? And then the okay. people have deadheaded it for you. I was like, this is genius. Why has no one thought of this? Like, <laughs> don't tell anyone. But essentially, they're basically deadheading these plants for you so that it will produce more. Um, and everyone I spoke to was like, no, you can't let people do that. Absolutely no. What that is, like, categorically, like, we really don't recommend you do that because They'll pick too low. They'll trample all your plants. They'll, you know, it, it, um, he said, Don, you never make money out of doing that. That's just going to be a loss earner. I was like, and uh, do you have an Instagram account? And he's like, oh, no, I don't believe in social media. I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> like, I take all of your advice and literally <laughs> and just go and do it anyway. Because, um, yeah, I think I had this conviction that it, it was going to work I knew I knew that people love picking flowers people love an experience where they can really immerse themselves in nature and and be creative like I love that you can pick all these different colors and the palette that goes well together and arrange it and that we do flower workshops as well and how to arrange them or just put them into giant crowns on your head and take pictures it literally when women walk into our field, I should have like a secret camera somewhere because they're like, oh, I'm so sure. And like, the reactions. Yeah. <laughs> Pick any of these. It's like a kid in a in a sweet shop. Totally. Uh, we used to 
lose my shit at the amount of time I have to spend at the entertainer toy shop with the kids in their pocket. Oh. And then like, I don't know what to buy. And you're like, oh, my God, just buy anything. I don't care. <laughs> no, it's literally paralysis of like this choice of stuff. And I knew that if you could, if I could create something like that and, and, and yeah, and people could come and do that, it would be worth it. But I definitely am guilty of underestimating how long and how much work goes into things. And I, and at that point I hadn't, I'd only, I've only really sort of just started exploring ADHD since January and we're in June. So all of the run up to that, I hadn't, I didn't even have an awareness of ADHD of what it was. So that sometimes meant I was a bit hypercritical of myself um, when things didn't go wrong. And I, now that I learn, and I've learned a lot more about ADHD and how that manifests itself in me, um, I'm kind of leaning in. I'm like going, yeah, go on, let's go. That's this crazy, and I'm I'm literally owning it. I like walk around like, yeah, I'm gonna forget shit, and I left the car door wide open this morning after dropping my kids at school. Yeah, standard. Back, car, <laughs> wallet, and my phone. Everything was on the chair. I was like, oh well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I survived. It's fine. No one's died. It's all good. Just it's it's. I mean, I, I can see, I mean, obviously that all the ADHD traits are coming, you know, I can see in different capacities. Um, but also from what I can see with you, you have like abundance of energy, abundance of ideas, um, constantly like changing and shifting and pivoting. How do you manage that? I clearly there's a huge amount of passion, but when you are on, are on that precipice of burnout, when you are totally physically and mentally exhausted, but you know you've got a business to run. Is there anything that you do to look after yourself? Yeah. What awareness I, have you had of that in the past? And I didn't have any awareness. I would just go. I'd just keep, 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 keep going. And it was only when I hit perimenopause that the wheels started to fall off. Mm. <laughs> like, why can I not do this and function anymore at this pace? I think it's just a pace I have always worked at. And so now when perimenopause kicked in and it was about the time where um it like ADHD was starting to come a bit more prevalent in the in me in the media and social media and I was getting a lot of people going not being funny but I think you've got ADHD I'm like what what makes you think that <laughs> what was that oh no. what were you saying sorry you got ADHD and I was like what is that and then I started looking into it <laughs> And then I went to the doctors because I actually, I was getting anxiety. I'd never had that before. And like, a, and, and it was weird because my best friend who I worked with in my previous business, she had suffered with anxiety her whole life. And I coached her quite a lot. We were such, we were very, very good friends and uh, bestest of friends. And um, I couldn't relate. I didn't get it. I was like, what do you mean? It's a physical, she's like, it's like a backpack. I'm carrying this. It, it's like weighs me down. I feel it the moment where I wake up. I'm like, can't, can't you just rebrand it? Can't you just say it's like excitement? Or could we not repackage it as like nervous about something, which will eventually be great? She's like, it's not that. And I was like, I don't get it. Sorry. Anyway, moving on. Um, and then I started to get it. And I was like, oh, this feels like my legs are going to give way. This feels like a physical central nervous system that is stopping me now. And I felt overwhelmed. And I've never felt that before. 
before I was just juggling and things would drop and I'd be like, fuck it. Carry on, carry on, carry on. Oh, another one. Never mind. Keep going, keep going. And then I was like, not even like I was dropping balls. I was just like, I can't do anymore. I'm literally like, Ron's gone wrong out of that cartoon character. We are like just malfunctioning. So I went to the doctors then and then HRT was a massive, massive game changer for me. I actually went straight in. I was like, I'm going mental. Like I think I have dementia or, um, and I cannot follow really simple tasks. I'm really struggling with anxiety. I feel like I'm going to vomit. I got so, I'm so overwhelmed. Like, this has never happened before. And people on Instagram are saying I have ADHD. And she said the combination of perimenopause on top of a highly functioning ADHD brain, mm-hmm. like, you're, you won't, yeah, it's okay. You're in a safe place. You're not- Amazing that you had a doctor who oh, understood right? it. But she was quite like a hippie lady. She was quite like hippie looking. And I kind of like, she didn't look like a traditional, like, not that people have a traditional doctor look, but she was very women's health orientated I could tell amazing and I just went straight I went in with this sort of energy like help me (laughs) (laughs) like shit (laughs) I came out I was like oh my god (laughs) my husband's like did that go well I was like I think so they've given me lots of gel (laughs) I think it went well I've kind of come out with all the drugs that I thought I would need so yes um, but in, going back to your question about overwhelm, I, I, I sometimes accept that it's just going to be the punishment I get from running level. And so at Chelsea, we did, I did, May was mental, wasn't it? Like so many bank holidays. Then there was half term. I had two, I had Morven show, Chelsea flower show, both a week long in different locations away from home, juggling stuff, accommodation, stock, transport. Um, a lot of admin, I understand now that it's the admin, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, risk assessment forms, um, uh, security passes, uh, paperwork to, you know, 12-page document on the address and the vehicle registration number and parking permits. And I need an extra form for the lighting, another form for the carpeting. And they have to be printed out and written on. Then we send them back as a scanned document. Then you have to, they send you the invoice and then you have to pay the invoice within the time allocated. I mean, it like makes me vomit. Horrific. It's making me anxious even it's thinking about that. saying it. I'm like, I yeah. am like that. And then being at Chelsea Flower Show, which is, literally the best show in the whole world, Um, and being mobbed, you know, from eight until eight. It's open for 12 hours a day, six days. And people are like, ah, Andy. (laughs) 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 You've gone, you know, again, utilizing this brain of like looking around, you know, we can call it hypervigilance, but we can just also call it like, you're seeing gaps. You are seeing places where you can fill what's needed. And you've gone into merch now. You are doing reels and Instagram masterclasses because your transferable skills. But this, and the reason why I'm mentioning all of this is because I, I really want people to take inspiration from you because you've shown, you've shown that you don't have to stick to one lane. Like you, you're doing flowers, but you're doing jackets and you're doing Instagram 
workshops for people who want to be able to create the same social media following that you've got like we don't have to stick to this one cookie cutter formation and i think when we lean into that with our adhd brains we're left to explore and get curious and get excitable like you say like at the beginning this puppy that energy takes us to success it takes us to abundance and fun and listen life is about i always say this like we there's so much hardship in life there's so much difficulty and challenges that when we can find the fun in the work and you know going back to what you said about your parents that they just kind of decided let's just try and live life in the sun doing what we do best and we have been conditioned i think in this western world to to think that's bad to think that we're not going to succeed or like who are we to do that but actually you're showing that people we can have fun yeah there's hard work there's grafting but i can go into the merchandise and i can do like workshops and i can do flower shows which people told me that I couldn't do. And so when people are listening right now, I guess I want them to kind of maybe transfer what they're dreaming of, what their desires are, like what what's their big goal or amb ambition that they keep telling themselves that they can't do or they don't have the skills for. I mean, if you could speak to that version of yourself who, or maybe you, you were never that version, or maybe that person who is desperate to just lean into that more creative side, and but they just don't, there's so much fear there, what would you say to them? As soon as my business failed, that first one, I removed all the element of fear of failure. I was like, I have failed on the biggest possible level, like the point where I nearly lost my house, I lost my best friend, compromised our marriage. Like this, I've been on the edge of that failure. Nothing is going to scare me. Not, you can't do anything to me that is going to take me back there. So what have I got to lose? What have you got to lose? You're always going to regret the chances that you didn't take. And I'm quite open on Instagram about all the things that I totally fuck up all the time. Every day, there are things. And so when I launched my merchandise range, it's those ideas where I'm like, great, I'm going to bring out outdoor cushions and aprons and napkins and tea towels and, and jackets and all the notepads and coasters. And it's going to look amazing. And I literally like, didn't have enough stock. I pre-ordered it. People could buy it for pre-order and I'd sold more than I had ordered. So people were waiting longer than expected. And meanwhile, I'm at Chelsea with half the stock that should have been at the warehouse for processing for the website. You know, I, there are huge things that I get wrong, but, but, um, I really love, I, like, I take a lot of inspiration from Brené Brown and that sort of, you know, just getting back up and getting back in the ring like I'm like a fighter like you can't keep a woman that's had everything crushed and then stop her from getting back up and like getting back up is the most empowering thing you can ever do to be that version of yourself where you you make yourself proud and I think that it just makes me so, I'm so passionate about the fact that women just underestimate what they can achieve and we're sort of conditioned to be like, oh, uh, equally, I don't, you know, pe people look at me, I know, and are like, this watching you gives me anxiety. But it's not for everybody. It makes people stressed out sometimes. But I was never, I didn't ever really care what other people's um, limits limitations were on what they set on themselves so I didn't have any it was a bit like when you have a baby and they're like make sure you take it really easy you're like I don't want to take it really easy be like well done you 
put the wash on and they've and you've fed them and you've had a nap and that's really good. That should be enough for today. I was like, fuck that. I'm gonna go and do a triathlon and and I've been out and I've bought a horse and I did all sorts of crazy things because I was like, I need I needed more and okay. I I think people are so scared of 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 getting it wrong and, and I'm getting it wrong every single day. But the difference is I don't care. <laughs> I'm gonna learn. And now that I've got now I know so much about ADHD, I'm kind of owning that failure and being like, is it any wonder that that happened? Yes, I forgot that my my son had a football tournament after school on a Wednesday and the school rang me and we're like, you haven't dropped off his shin pads. And we did send out a letter two weeks ago and you did say then that, you know, he would be attending and you haven't given him his kit. And I have to, I own it. I'm like, I've got ADHD and my, so is my husband. So one of us will have filled in the form and then forgotten instantly. But that's, it's, we don't, except you to take any responsibility for it. that's us but I can react really quickly in moments that require me to be resilient to come up with plan b c d e f g right the way through to z I've got an answer for everything because I've spent my whole life fucking it up and then trying to come up with answers so for people that take that so to heart it breaks my heart to be for people to think that oh it's because I'm no good and it's because mm. I've and rubbish and I've got this brain that means I can't do that it's a lie that's a lie and that's a neurons in your brain telling you a, a thing that's not true and that's why when that chapter closed on me for the wedding business I was like this is not going to be a story of misery and woe I am not a victim here I have an opportunity now to write a wicked next chapter like mm-hmm. the chapter that's going to be like and she rose from the ashes like phoenix like you know right you are like what story are you going to tell yourself and that's why I love Instagram it's like a narrative it's like a a storytelling process and and so when I'm 80 I'm going to look back and be like yeah girl you were like womaned up like never mind stand up like woman up and push yourself get yourself out there throw your hat in the ring say yeah I will do it that's what Branson said like say yes Say yes, yes, I'm going to give that a go and then work out how to do it. I would have never, ever got a chance at Chelsea if I hadn't just, and I had no idea. Yeah. But sometimes you do have to, you, you, I think, again, with us, we're quite good at like winging it until we know what we're doing. We're really good at problem solving and we're really good at finding people to hopefully scaffold us to, and I always say this, you know, like find someone who can help you find someone that fills in those gaps and I hope for your sake that you have someone to help you with all your admin and all the paperwork and all the horrendous stuff that our brains are just not quite wired for but the the difference is is that your brain is clearly wired for expansion and growth and creativity and imagination and seeing like okay what's the next thing that big picture and you just might need someone to help kind of fill those gaps in to get from a to z and we are known as sort of big picture thinkers and when we lean into that okay right who can I get what resources do I have at my disposal do I need to go to a workshop do I need to hire an accountant and that's when we feel empowered it's when we think we should know it all and do it all and be it all and because I dropped the ball in one thing that means I'm terrible at everything you know that all or nothing thinking and so 
it's it's just managing isn't it it's like seeing our energy seeing where it's best put and then kind of filling in the gaps of of where the people can shine their light as well because we all shine our light in different ways yeah definitely like it's not the best use of my time trying to get in to fill in all the forms and and also even just the customer service if somebody replies and said oh I might you know I didn't really like my cushion it was rubbish or you know whatever I'm like oh I'm so upset all day long like get over it like just pass it off like give it to somebody else and 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 I definitely and now that I understand a lot more about it I have less guilt and less shame about saying I have run a business now for 12 years and I still can't work out how to do that so sorry about that a really really amazing accountant quite a lot of money now because I I can't do it and I don't feel any shame or embarrassment or like I'm stupid I I just am like that's even Richard Branson went into a meeting and was like and they were talking about gross and net and they were like you do I heard this don't you and he's like no (laughs) and I can't remember I explained a billion times I'm like I don't know I don't know and I don't care like it does not it doesn't define you that you can't be good at everything and I'm happy that I have ADHD now because I understand that I have to sacrifice some of the list making and the processing and executive function other people have in order to be like this and I'm like yeah, hell that. You can keep all that because I hate it and I didn't want to do it anyway. So, yes. <laughs> so that's it. Own it. Like find yeah. out stuff that makes you ADHD and be like, run with that bitch. Go really miles an hour and don't listen to anyone else saying like, oh, you know, you're taking on too much. It's like, you know yourself. And yes, if you get burnout and you get overwhelmed, that's your limit. And you'll know next time not to go that far. And I have to accept after Chelsea, I have a week where I need to recalibrate and I need to like, and it's not always great. Sometimes I do just need to chill out and go to bed early, not really spend much time talking to anyone. I sacrifice, you know, meeting up with friends and because I just need to get over it. And then once I'm back in the game again, but what, but half term I ran out of HRT and that was, that was, I think I'll be fine. It will be totally, but it's not fine. (laughs) It's, no, it's fine. There's a lot of crying and irrational thoughts going on. So, yeah, if you're on HRT, just and make sure you get the levels right and just keep going with that. <laughs> that seemed to work. I think that just hits women at that time who might have been getting around ADHD up until that point, fudging it. And then, but there was no shame in everyone's made that much more accessible and much more open to talk about. And I share that on Instagram a lot too. And people are like, yeah, yeah me too. I think the HRT thing is is so important because that is often the the bridge, isn't it, between like like you say, being sort of functioning and using our ADHD and kind of like living yeah. with it, recognizing maybe the pitfalls, but we've sort of just we've got to this point and we're okay with our brains. And perimenopause comes and it just exactly what happened with you just knocks us sideways and we're like we've lived with this all our lives but like our hormones have sort of helped us and and and, and carried us through and then all of a sudden our hormones dip they deplete and we are just left with just a dreadful kind of like situation of ADHD at its absolute max. Yeah it was horrible I felt like I was really mentally unwell and that's not the that's not the case. As soon as I took the HRT, I was like, 
thank God for that. Because I don't think I'm myself in this situation, let alone my husband and my children. You know, if he's struggling, there is help. I think people should, it's not a weakness, it's a strength. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Andy, you are amazing. You're really inspiring. Um, you've uplifted me today. And I know that a lot of people who've listened to this podcast will just be like, if they don't know who you are, they want to come and find you. Tell them how they can find you, what you've got available. And yeah, let, let's bring some colour into the world. Yes, let's fill our eyes with lots of buckets full of flowers. So we, you'll find me on Instagram at Dahlia, which is D-A-H-L-I-A, Dahlia Beach. And the farm at Millet's Farm is in South Oxfordshire. It's an amazing site. It's open from the 19th of August right the way through to the end of October. We've got 8,000 dahlia plants planted around a bright pink double-decker bus. And we do workshops in flower arranging, flower crowns, or you can just turn up on the day and pick flowers and pay for what you pick. And it's just a really lovely place to just be and look at flowers and bees and just it's gloriously colorful and and there's a farm shop there's a restaurant a cafe a lake children's soft play I mean it's literally like living your best life um kind of place and it's called Millet's Farm so that's open from August until um the end of October and also you can buy our merch online at dahliabeach.co.uk fabulous oh well thank you so much andy been an absolute pleasure and yeah i can't wait i'm gonna come down i'm gonna come down this summer i mean i'm, I'm up in manchester but i'm gonna i'm gonna make i'm gonna make an effort because i need to come and see where the magic happens we've all the way from australia kate so you have no excuse i've got no excuse global yeah global reach thanks to it yeah have you down there maybe we could do a, a live video that would be amazing. Well, we will be in touch. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much. And we will speak very soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope you found what you were looking for in this conversation. And it's helped guide you towards some further self-healing, self-exploration, and most importantly, self-acceptance. And if you have enjoyed this conversation and would like to experience more of my work, such as access to exclusive live workshops and opportunities for group coaching sessions, connecting with other like-minded women and a general feeling of belonging, please come and check out my monthly membership, the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective. I've made it as affordable as possible and I offer you lots of resources and opportunities for connection and support from other women all around the world being diagnosed with ADHD later on in life. I'd absolutely love to see you there. All the details are in this episode's show notes or on my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. See you in the next episode.